0: we have the last few weeks, we're going to be taking communion together in a few moments. Uh, Now, the way we do that around here, all are welcome to participate. That's how we roll. Uh, So if you're joining us online, we want you to join in too. Uh, Grab like some bread, a cracker, whatever you can use uh, for the elements, a little bit of juice, something to drink. Uh, And if you are here in the room, of course, we, we should have given you one of these guys on your way in. But if for some reason we missed you, just raise your hand right now. Somebody from our VIP team is ready to bring one to you. Now, while they do that, uh, I want to tell you a story that I hope is going to set the stage uh, for what we're going to talk about today. Um, Anybody know what one of these things is? Seen these before? Yeah. Yeah, finger trap. Chinese handcuffs, Chinese finger trap, something like that. Um, Now, a few years ago, one of my kids got one of these in a party favors bag at school, and he gets in the car, and he's pouring over his loot, and he gets to this, and he's like, what's this? What do I do with it? And so I tell him, you know, you just put a finger in each end, and he does it. And immediately, he, he attempts to pull them out, and he realizes what's going on he is stuck. <laughs> now this is the kid who inherited from his mom like a pretty heaping helping of the whole control freak thing and maybe a little side of mild claustrophobia. So he freaks out. Like completely loses it. He's thrashing around the car, weeping, gnashing of teeth the whole thing. Like <laughs> I literally have to pull over the van in somebody's driveway to calm him down and explain to him that in order to be freed from what turned out to be the worst party favor ever. (laughs) He doesn't need to pull harder. He actually needs to surrender to it, to lean in, press his fingers further in, compressing the tube, and he's free. So it was funny in the moment, like for me, not for him. Obviously, he was completely (laughs) terrified. (laughs) But I think what it illustrates is this deeply human instinct we all have. When we're stuck, or when things get challenging, or they don't go the way we expect, our tendency is to try harder. We want to buckle down, power through, fix it. But what if, in the upside down, topsy-turvy world of the kingdom of God, the path to freedom isn't trying harder, it's surrender? We're gonna take a look at today's scripture passage that we're gonna unpack a little later on. Paul says in the letter to the Jesus followers in Rome, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect the good news that we want you to hear today is that God's love is the actual catalyst for transformation in ourselves and in our whole world. So we are free to stop all of our striving and surrender to that love. When we become aware of this good news, we begin to align our hearts and our minds with its truth, then we're invited to respond with faithful action. We're going to talk about this a little bit more later But one action I want us to take right now is to do communion together. Paul says that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice because of all he's done for us. And one of the ways that Christians have remembered what he's done for us for years is by taking communion together. So go ahead, it's a little tricky, but there's a top film you can take off here. Grab that wafer. And as we eat this together today, I want you to remember Jesus said his body was broken for us. He was broken so that we could find wholeness. Let's eat this together to remember. And as we drink the juice together now, I want us to remember that Jesus showed us what it looks like to surrender and to sacrifice as he poured himself out so that we could experience fullness of life in the kingdom. Let's drink this together, church. Father, I want to thank you for all the things you've done for us. The things we all think about and talk about corporately and the things we're all thinking of individually. The ways you've already begun to transform our lives and our hearts. I pray that today you would create an openness in our hearts, that we would slow down, open our minds and our hearts to hear from you, whatever it is that you have to say to us. And then I pray that you'd give us the courage to to truly believe, (laughs) to truly believe the truth that we hear and surrender to your love. We're so thankful for you. And this time we're going to spend together in your name. Amen. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. To give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you by changing into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Which is good and pleasing and perfect. We're talking about surrender today, sacrifice. It's been the common thread through every song we just sang, and I know that those words can feel heavy. (laughs) But the good news today is that it's not about our willpower here. The good news is that God's love is the true catalyst for transformation in ourselves and in our world, which frees us up to stop our striving and surrender to His love. As we become aware of the truth of this good news, and we align our hearts and minds around that truth, we're invited to respond with a faithful action. Now, I think this idea of sacrifice or surrender isn't exactly surprising to most of us. Like, if we grew up in church, we probably spent a lot of time hearing about the things we had to give up to be a Christian, and even if you didn't, and that's not a part of your story, I think you probably intuit that there's just something inherent about committing yourself to following Jesus that probably is going to involve changing some things in your life. And change always feels, at least at some level, like sacrifice, like surrender. We've got to give up something to get to the new. But what does that look like for us practically? Well, that's where the second verse in this passage comes in. Paul says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but instead learn to know God's will for you, right? Or did I skip something there? I mean, that is the pattern most of us follow, right? Like, we recognize the ways that we're trying to do everything our own way or the world's way, and then we immediately jump over to trying to, like, buckle down and fix it and do everything God's way, or at least the way we think might be God's way. But that's not the way Paul describes it in this passage, is it? He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you actually think, and then you'll know God's will for you. There's a whole second step that most of us skip all the time when we try to do this stuff, and it's a pretty important one, because apparently this is the step where the transformation happens, where God actually begins to change the way we think and react So that when we get to the actual doing something, it's not about us giving something up or trying harder. It's just a natural response to what God has already done in and for us. Because God's love is the true catalyst for transformation. And when we believe that, we get to stop all of our endless striving and surrender to that love. Now, I remember when this good news really clicked for me, Uh, I was navigating some conflict that had come up among some family members of mine, and it it really blindsided me, frankly. (laughs) I was frustrated. I didn't know what to do about it. I felt like I needed to respond, and I didn't know how. And I was in my first Get Real group at that time, so I shared with them a little bit about the situation and the pressure that I was feeling to, like, swoop in and fix it all. because I don't know about you guys, but I'm like the classic firstborn fix-it type, so I have a tendency to put myself in that peacemaker role. Anybody anybody else identify with that? we got a lot of us here. Um, So my Get Real group uh, lovingly asked me if anyone had specifically asked me to play that role, (laughs) and of course they had not. (laughs) So then they reminded me of some truth about who God is. They reminded me that he's always present and at work, which means he was right in the middle of all of this, the stuff that I was going through in this family conflict, that he loves me and my family, and he cares way more than I do about all of it. And they asked me to spend some time that next week uh, just praying about and thinking about what it would look like for me to surrender that impulse I had to control or fix the situation, and instead to just stay aware of God's presence and to, to be curious about what, what he might be up to there and to keep saying yes to his love for me and, and for opportunities to extend that love to others. Now, that sounds like a relatively easy assignment, but at least for me, it was not. I lost a lot of sleep that week. And it's mostly because every time I turned around, I noticed that like I was trying to control the situation again. I, I would find myself playing out all these possible, possible conversations in my head. Anybody else do this? Like, First, I started with, like, I am going to come in, and I'm going to lay down some truth. I'm going to let them know what's going on and how they've hurt people, and they're going to make it right. And then I thought, well, that's not going to go very well. So, like, maybe, maybe I can show up, and I can just, like, make some jokes and, and smooth it over a little bit. Maybe it'll all just be fine, downplay the way things were, were hurtful. Um, and then when I realized that both of those options were actually me trying to control the outcome there, then I just wanted to run away. I just wanted to avoid the whole situation, check out, lay low, hope it all blew over. But the common denominator in all of those options is that they all kept me firmly in the driver's seat, not God. And when I was honest with myself, they, none of them really looked a whole lot like love. So I remember one day... After about the 10th time that I role played in my head, that like call out conversation where I'm gonna lay down the law, I finally surrendered. I just said, God, like, I, I need your help. I need you to begin to show me this person through your eyes and help me trust you in this situation to work in my heart and the other person's heart instead of just trying to force everything on my own. And I can't say that this was like an overnight change <laughs> for me. But over the next few days of continually praying that, asking God to open my heart, uh, to see things the way he saw things, uh, he did begin to soften my heart, and I felt this prompting that I should just make a phone call. No intention of trying to fix the situation, just call, tell the person I love them, and be honest with them about the ways i had been hurt by the things that happened, but that I wanted to try to listen and understand and then just back off and listen. Now, to be clear, I did not have high hopes for this, but God had prompted me enough that I'm like, well, I got to do it. But I was, I was stealing myself for what was coming. Like, I thought I was going to get yelled at. I thought, um, you know, I was going to have to do a lot of turning the other cheek. <laughs> uh, possibly get hung up on. I was not looking forward to making this call. But that's not at all what happened. Because as it turns out, God had been present and at work in this situation all along. So instead, the ice broke we were both able to be honest with each other in ways I'm not sure we ever had been in this relationship. And while it has not been a perfect like up into the right trajectory for us since then, it was a huge turning point in that relationship. And I'm finding that it's having a ripple effect in other relationships for both of us. What changed? Did I somehow stumble on this new awesome tactic for being the family fixer? No, that's not what happened here. I had no idea that this was going to work. What happened was that I chose to believe. I chose to believe the good news that God's love was actually the driver behind transformation, not my striving. And he began to transform my heart. And as that happened, I could surrender to his love. I could let go of all the attempts I was making to fight or fix or flee this situation and just let God work. Notice where he was working and join him in it. I responded to my new awareness and the alignment of my heart as he transformed my heart toward this person with a simple next step that let me put into practice what God was showing me. Now, uh, a few weeks ago, Brian laid out what we're calling our change agents around here. They're 10 practices for becoming the change God dreams for the world. And we said that each week, this whole fall, now through, through Thanksgiving, we're going to uh, unpack one of those practices, and we pair it with a tool. And these practices are designed to help us grow, help us do what we talk about all the time, learn from Jesus how to live and love like he does. So uh, the, the first week, um, like we started with the, the three practices um, that help us to learn from Jesus. Because if we're going to be the change that God dreams for the world, like we have to make it personal, right? We've got to start with us. Uh, and that means we have to individually be learning from Jesus. So the first week, Brian talked about how we notice God at work in and around us. And then the second week, Jeremiah talked about choosing what we want more at the core of us. And if you missed either of those weeks, I really want to encourage you to go back and catch those. Uh, th- this stuff that we're talking about this fall it's foundational, not just to, to this fall and what we're doing, but also to what we, what we believe as a church and what it looks like to grow as a follower of Jesus. So go back and catch those. But this week, we're wrapping up this Learn from Jesus section with a practice I surrender to God's love. And it, the tool for this practice is what we call the Get Real Wheel. The Get Real Wheel. Now, the first stop on the get-real wheel is awareness. This is what Brian talked about in week one. The first step in getting in on what God's up to in the world is actually noticing his presence and activity in our everyday ordinary lives. We have to become aware of the ways that he's already at work in and around us so that we can join him in it. That's what we call a kairos. It's a fancy Greek word for an opportunity uh, to see God at work, to respond, and to join him in what he's doing. And now the second step on the get real wheel is alignment. This is the one we naturally try to skip, but it's essential. Because remember, it's not us and what we do. It's not the awareness and the action that make this thing happen. God's love is the catalyst for transformation. God's love. So love is the driving force behind any lasting life-giving change. And it's the fuel that powers the cycle. So alignment is all about us intentionally remembering who God is and who we get to be because of who he is. And then, like Jeremiah talked about last week, we choose what we want more. We choose to align our hearts with the truth of God's love and grace. That's why the tool that that Jeremiah showed us last week, the words, works, wants triangle, is so valuable here. Because God wants to dive below the waterline of awareness to the level of our wants. He wants us to get real about what's going on in our hearts. And surrender that to him so that he can begin to transform the things that we want at our core. So that what we say and what we do, they don't feel like things we have to buckle it down and try harder for. They feel like just a natural bubbling up of the change God's already worked in our hearts. Do we want to align our lives around who God is and who we are in him? And if our answer is yes, then this frees us up to stop the striving and surrender to his love. We affirm that God's love is the foundational truth of our present, our present reality. And as we become aware of this good news, we align our hearts and minds with its truth. Then we're invited to step three, the action. Because Paul said, after that transformation happens, after God begins to change the way we think, then we'll learn to know God's will for us. At this point, surrendering to God's will and doing something doesn't feel like buckling down to make something happen. It feels like a normal, natural next step in response to having heard who God is and what he's done for us. It's an embodied demonstration of our trust that the good news isn't just a warm and fuzzy idea, it's reality itself. There's this proverb that I heard that I really love. It's from this little tribe in the South Pacific And they say, knowledge is only a rumor until it lives in the muscle. I love that. (laughs) Knowledge is only a rumor until it has legs, until you get in the game. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's the walking on water moment. Because, you know, Peter could say he believed Jesus was God. He was actually the one who originally floated the idea that he should walk on the water out to Jesus. But that was all just theory until he actually swung his leg over and got out of the boat. That's when his knowledge gained legs and it lived in his muscle. Aligning our hearts with the truth of God's love will motivate us to do something, will motivate us to actually take a step in trust toward him, toward this truth. And this is where the get real wheel really starts rolling. Because when we surrender to God's love and we act on it, God is present and at work in that moment too, offering us fresh Kairos opportunities new things to be aware of, and then that feeds right back into the cycle. (laughs) We're aware. We align. We respond with action. This is what it looks like practically when God's love is the catalyst for transformation. We let go of our attempts to strive. We surrender to his love. We become aware of his good news. We align our hearts with that truth, and then we respond with action, and on and on and on it goes. as God continues to transform us and draw us into a full life on mission with him in the kingdom of love. This is the work that we do in Get Real groups. This is why we call it the Get Real Wheel. Week after week, we're practicing this with a small group together. We become aware of God's presence and activity in our day-to-day lives. We help each other align our hearts and minds around that truth. And then we surrender by taking a simple next step toward believing putting muscle behind what we've heard. Now, one of the ways that I'm currently trying to live this out and, and reckon with this good news in my life is that I'm working really hard to embrace the idea of rest. Now, I know that probably sounds like a cop-out action, like my action for this good news is no action. But <laughs> I promise if, you talk to, uh, if you're free to talk to my family, friends, anyone that's known me for very long at all knows that this is not an easy thing for me. Um, Since birth, I have been a terrible sleeper. Most preschoolers can sit still better than I do. You have probably already noticed that. And while it's really easy for me to embrace the wisdom of commandments like thou shalt not steal or kill or covet, the whole Sabbath thing has always felt a little bit more like a nice suggestion that I'd get around to someday, maybe, when everything else was sorted out and I had time. But as I've become aware, as God's helped me become aware of my own patterns of trying to continually control and fix things in my world. I've had to reckon with the, whether what I say I believe about God's presence and his provision and his love for me actually matches how I live. And more often than not, I have to say it hasn't. I've relied on me instead of God. So aligning my heart and mind with the truth that God is the true catalyst for transformation, not Leslie, that meant that a faithful action for me this week was to rest, to actually trust in His provision, even when things were unsettled and undone, and it all felt chaotic, to actually put muscle behind my belief that God is present and at work and He cares more than I do about even the most mundane details of my life. So this week it looked like I closed my laptop at 3:30 I picked up my kids and we went to the park with no agenda. We enjoyed the day played with them, we unexpectedly ran into family and friends, shared a meal together, and it did my heart so much good. And I felt the effects of that all week as my kids helped me be more aware of God's love for me, his presence, the things that he's doing in our family and in our world, because I was willing to trust instead of just trying to work to make things happen on my own. So I'm wondering, what does this look like in your life right now? Where does this good news need to show up for you? So what I want us to do is actually practice this get real wheel together. Um, If you you want, you can close your eyes. Whatever helps you focus in this moment. Um, And we're going to go through each of these steps on the wheel. The first step is this idea of awareness. We've been talking about it for a few weeks. What are the situations or patterns in your life that you're aware of right now where God might be inviting you to get real about something? Is there something that's causing you a lot of pain or frustration? Or maybe it's a new joy you're awakening to. Name that with God right now and thank him for opening your eyes to this. Once you've zeroed in on something you're becoming aware of, it's time to get real about what's going on in your heart. In this situation, what is it that you want? What is it that you really want? Is there some truth that you need to hear about who God is and who you get to be because of who he is? Be honest with God and ask him to help you align your wants with the truth of his kingdom. And as you've named what it is that's going on in your heart, as you're hearing some truth from God about his presence, his love for you, the fact that he's actually the driver for transformation, not your hard work, what would be a natural next step in, in response in this situation? What's something you can do this week to put muscle behind your belief that God is with you? that He's driving change in your life, and that He's at work in this situation. I want you to ask Him to help you see one thing you can do this week. Father, we wanna thank you for the freedom that comes with knowing that it's not all up to us. (laughs) That your love is what drives transformation in our hearts and in this world. And that you are with us and you are at work and that you care so much more than we do. Thank you for being that God, the God that comes near, the God that cares, I pray that this week, you would help us to be aware of that presence in our world. And as we become aware to take the time to say, God, what is it, what is it that I want? Is there something I need to choose here? Is there a deeper desire that I want more? And then help us to have the courage to take a step toward you, to put that trust and that truth into action. God, I thank you for the ways that you're already transforming us, the ways you're already transforming the world, and I thank you that you're inviting us in to be a part of it. Give us the courage to do that together this week. In your name, amen. Well, guys, those are the three practices of learning from Jesus. This is what it looks like. We notice and name his activity and his presence in our world. We choose what we want more, and then we surrender to his love by taking the next step and over and over and over. You can't, the action isn't the goal. The goal is the transformation that happens as we keep doing this, and this becomes the pattern of our lives. Next week, we're gonna dig into the next section of these practices for becoming, and we're gonna begin talking about what it looks like to love like Jesus. We're going to give you some practices and some tools for that. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you back next week. Thanks so much, guys.